I think probably one of my favorite things about LinkedIn, certainly versus social media outlets like Twitter, for example, is LinkedIn, the community is very positive. Like there's no anonymity. People's faces, jobs, companies like are all represented there. So people are nicer. You'll be surprised at how well received your content is. People genuinely appreciate thoughtful content. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build careers for themselves through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around, and they truly do world-class work. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, our guest is Kyle Coleman, VP of Revenue Growth and Enablement at Clary, and someone that I have had the pleasure to work with in the past and learn from. So thanks, Kyle, for joining us. And why don't you introduce yourself? It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Nick. Really looking forward to this conversation. I know you and I have had a version of this conversation just like in one-on-ones back when we used to work together. So it'll be nice to take it to the masses here. So I'm Kyle. I lead our growth team at Clary. That's a combination of sales development, growth marketing, as well as revenue enablement. So it is a team of people who are responsible both for the creation of and acceleration of pipeline, ultimately to turn into revenue. And that's what I do. Awesome. So let's kind of get into it. So I know you're very active on LinkedIn. And so I still remember the day back in February of 2020 last year, where you put out a challenge to your team to start posting on LinkedIn, as you've been doing for a while. I took that challenge up and I never looked back. And so some people say your personal brand doesn't matter. What's your take on that? (laughs) I think it's an old school way of thinking about your contribution to the company. I think that the personal brand that you have, it is important for yourself, of course, but it also makes a huge impact on the company. You know, I can't necessarily, or I don't separate my brand from the Clary brand. Most of what I'm doing or the immediate impact that I can see anyway, comes in the form of affecting event attendance and demo requests and whatever it may be, you know, content downloads, all these sorts of marketing metrics that matter, I can track by the efforts that I'm making on LinkedIn. So that's one of the benefits, I would say, of of having a brand. And that's one of the reasons that it matters. But really, for me and this, Nick, what really motivates me is just to help as many people as possible. And so I realized that I had a lot of experience. You know, I've been in the sales development orbit for over eight years now and have a pretty strong perspective on what works and what doesn't and what we need to do more of and less of and all those sorts of things. And I love working with the internal team on all of those things. But that's a team of 15 people. And I wanted to see what I could do to affect as many people as possible and and just see, you know, first of all, am I actually right? Is my perspective actually right? Let's pressure test that a little bit. And then, you know, if so, try and help as many people as possible by just broadcasting things to the public. Yeah, you bring up a great point, too, because I feel like people sometimes have that disconnect where they don't think that an employee's brand and what they talk about goes back to the company. But like, Companies that come top of mind every time I think about this is Clary, Gravy, Gong. Like they all have people that 
promote different things. But when I think of you, I immediately go back to think of Clary. And when I think of Casey Graham, it immediately goes back to Gravy. And so like, I think it's a really great point that sometimes it's underestimated how much value it can actually bring back to the company. It's a win-win for everyone at the end of the day. 100%. And Clary has a pretty strong internal sort of push to get more people active on LinkedIn. And we just looked at the analytics recently, and it's like 20 times more people viewed our company's LinkedIn posts and our personal LinkedIn posts than came to Clary.com. It's not to say that enough people aren't coming to our website. They are. But we just get that you magnify the reach that you get by broadcasting your thoughts and feelings and perspective and tactics and all those sorts of things on LinkedIn. It's a no brainer not to do it. Yep, absolutely. And so, you know, I know you mentioned you've kind of come up through the sales development side of things and you've always been really vocal about that side of it. How has it impacted what you write about on LinkedIn? Yeah, so I think it's really important, or at least for me, what I always want to make sure that I'm doing is posting about things that I have experience in and some semblance of expertise in. You know, I hesitate to call myself really an expert in anything because there's always something to learn. But that combination of experience and expertise is I think super important to put out meaningful content and put out content that you can stand behind to substantiate with your experiences or with data or with whatever it is. So if I'm checking those two boxes, experience and expertise, and I'm focused on tactical things that can actually help people, you know, if somebody reads a post and they can go and take action on that, I've done my job. And so that's kind of what I try and do. Those are the guardrails that I try and keep on. I don't want to be ever too fluffy about what I'm posting. I really want people to see something and be able to take action on it, or at least change the way that they're thinking about something. Yep. Yeah, totally agree with you there. I mean, I've been following your content for so long, but it's being in marketing, like you've taught me so much about like the the sales development side of it and just sales in general that, you know, I try to partner as closely as I can with sales, but I've learned a ton from your content. So you've at least got a huge fan of myself. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so do you remember the first time that you ever hit post on LinkedIn? Like, what was it about? What were you feeling at that time? <laughs> I don't know necessarily if it was the first time, but it was certainly one of the earlier times. And it was a post about mentorship and how to solicit mentors. You know, a lot of people, they just will reach out and they'll just ask, like, can we talk for 30 minutes? And they don't contextualize it in any real way. And so I just posted something about the right way to ask for people to be mentors. You need to them to understand who you are and what you've done, what you're trying to do and why you feel like that person you're reaching out to is going to be a solid mentor for you. And so it was something pretty simple, you know, one, two, three quick bullet points. And it got a ton of engagement. I was like, holy smokes, like there's something here. This was just kind of me taking five or 10 minutes just to put pen to paper on some thoughts. And that was encouraging for me to think, okay, this is a practice that I can do that can help people. And again, like that's the animating purpose for my posting on LinkedIn is to try and help people. And so that was... I remember that back January of 2020, pretty early in my LinkedIn career, <laughs> that being one of the first things that said, okay, yeah, this is a viable sort of strategy. This is a good use of my time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so true too. It's just like, we've talked about this in the past. You'd be surprised at how many marketers, even like VPs of marketing, CMOs, if you reached out to them and just said, hey, can I have 30 minutes of your time to discuss XYZ because I'm younger in my career and like I just want to figure out what to do? Like how many would actually take time to do that? And something I do now, like I have a lot of college students that will reach out to me saying, I want to start a journey in marketing, specifically maybe field marketing. And like, would you take some time and just 
you know, walk me through what that looks like. And we've had some really great conversations about it and they've turned into friends. So you've done an amazing job with that. Awesome. Really glad to hear that. Good on you for taking the time to help out the, the next generation. <laughs> Definitely trying. So when you did start out, was there anything that you kind of learned right from the start? Like the way that you post your content is very kind of, you have a methodology behind it. So like, when did you learn about how to break up your content, how to kind of relay everything? Is there any tactical advice that you can give to people? Yeah. So I actually feel like my experience or the, the, the amount of time I've spent in the SDR realm has really helped with respect to generating LinkedIn content because a lot of the principles that make for good outbound messaging work on LinkedIn as well. Short, punchy sentences, plain language that has max appeal. You don't need to be too technical or, you know, too esoteric with the words you're using, like esoteric. And <laughs> you want things to be spacing things out well is really important. And the principle that I think is valuable is separate thoughts go on separate lines. People aren't going to read every word of your post. They're just not. People skim. Like think about the way you consume content on LinkedIn. If you're reading every word of every post, it's probably rare that you do this. So you need to make your content skimmable. And when there are key points in your post, you need to call them out by spacing them out. And so the words that you really want people to read deserve their own line. And then I like to add a little bit of color <laughs> to my posts as well and try and be, you know, have a little bit of fun with the emojis and things like that. But I don't go overboard. At least I hope <laughs> I don't go overboard. So that's kind of my approach to things. I'm not thinking too much about the amount of engagement or, or things like that. I just want my content to be easy to consume. And if you can think about what fits your eye, and if you think about things that you read, try and adapt those same sorts of principles to the things that you're writing and you'll find success. Yeah. For anyone listening, that is a huge piece of advice right there that people sometimes try to jam all of their content into like just like a paragraph or two. And it's, it's such a mind, like you just can't get through it all. And like anything that I see that's like written like that, I immediately skip it. So I like to call it choppy copy. It's breaking it up that way. Yep. So some people say personal brands about adding value. So some say it's just being yourself, but it doesn't really offer anyone tactical advice. So what does adding value mean if you're a marketer that's looking to get started to start posting content? So I think a lot of people are successful, but they hold those successes really close to the chest and are unwilling to share them as if success is some zero sum game where, you know, your success comes at the expense of somebody else's. And, and that's just simply not the case. So get over it and share the tactics that work for you. That's what people want to hear. That's what you want to hear from other people when you're consuming content on podcasts or LinkedIn or whatever. You just ask me, you know, what are the tactics? Share them. Like, I'm not going to be super secretive about what's working and neither should you. So when you run, if you're a marketer, if you run a successful campaign or program or event or something like that, really think about what made it successful and post about that. And this is a useful exercise for a couple of reasons. One, because you're helping other people, but two, because it forces you to really be retrospective and do a real postmortem on the types of programs that you're running and how you're spending money and all those sorts of things so that you can actually understand what can we do? What did we do well this time? And what can we improve next time? And then the other benefit is that you post those things online and you'll start to see the comments that you get. I know you're a huge proponent of responding to every commenter. I think that's a great practice. I fall short on that. I can't keep up, but 
when people are making thoughtful comments on your post, you're going to get new ideas from them. They're going to potentially even make you think or rethink some of the principles that you laid out in your original post. So that's a huge virtue here is there's a lot of knowledge out there. And the more willing you are to share with the community, the more willing the, the community will be to share back with you and vet your ideas and make them better. So that would be my advice is really think about the experiences you have, distill the principles that made that experience successful or memorable and write about it. And if you can do those things, you're going to be helping other people and you're going to be helping yourself. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's trust me. It's not easy responding to every comment. It's like, especially when you're getting like 60 plus, you know, I'm getting, sometimes I'm getting like 150 comments and you have to reply <laughs> to every single one of them. It's, it's like a full-time job occasionally, <laughs> but so you have just about 30, you, maybe you already crossed this. You have just about 30,000 followers on LinkedIn, or you did like the other day. You probably way over that by now. But what's your take on LinkedIn, Twitter, Clubhouse now? Like how does a marketer balance all of these from a personal perspective? I'm probably not the right person to ask, Nick, because I'm only active on LinkedIn because I feel like the forum fits my style of writing my style of thinking and my target audience. So my target audience is mostly SDRs, salespeople, marketing people, and they're most active on LinkedIn. So it's a natural fit. I also like to be pretty thoughtful with the posts that I write. So I'm a little bit different than some other content creators out there where I'm less extemporaneous with what I write. And I take a little bit more time to like do a draft and final draft sort of version of writing. So I like the written format there. And then I just... I don't know. Twitter to me doesn't allow for enough space to really flesh ideas out. And I guess you could do the threading thing, but I don't know. I just want to focus on doing LinkedIn well. It's what I'm used to. It's where I live. And I haven't really delved into the clubhouse side of the world yet. I think it's pretty cool. I think that the platform has a lot of promise. I just, I worry about myself <laughs> and how much time I could end up not wasting, but spending in the platform. And I have a real job to do. And I want to focus on doing my real job first. And then if I can find spare time, I'll get into the clubhouse scene, but I haven't really looked at it yet. I feel like I joined back in, I think it was January or something. And it had, you know, obviously it's a shiny new object. Everyone wants to kind of get into it, but honestly, it's mostly these experts or experts that, you know, want you to buy their ebook or their coaching <laughs> services or their consulting. And it's not... You definitely have to find the right crowd. Like I've found surprisingly, like there's this group, like under 30 marketers and then over 30 marketers that are looking to help them. And like, that's been really impactful. It's cool. I spend maybe like an hour on there a week, if that now it, it's definitely lost. It's, it's lost. You went into this a little bit before, but what's the source for your inspiration, LinkedIn content? And do you keep notes where are your ideas stored? Like what's your workflow look like? Yeah. So I have the benefit of working with 15 SDRs who I get inspired from every day in one way or another, either inspired by the work that they're doing, which truly is world-class, like so impressed with the work that this crew is doing and just sharing their work and giving them credit for it, of course, is a, a huge font of inspiration for me. And then the other thing I get from them are questions, questions about how to approach time management or how to do some tactical sort of thing or cold calling, email writing, whatever it may be. I also have the same thing on the demand generation side and, and get to work closely with our CMO and, and all of his direct reports to understand what the different kind of marketing priorities are and why they matter. So I have a, this interesting sort of purview that is right between sales and marketing and gives me a lens into what's working 
for both different departments, as well as the types of questions that people are struggling with and, and trying to work through. So that's really, really useful as a means of inspiration. And then the same sort of thing on LinkedIn. When I see a post that I agree with or disagree with or have a different take on, I'll just kind of jot a note down in a Google Doc. And I have this Google Doc that just has like, I don't know how many hundreds of bullet points of kind of thought starters on different topics. But that's basically it is I have the Google Doc app on the phone. And whenever I think of something or I'm inspired by something, I just jot it down. And then typically what I'll do at night or in the morning sometimes is I'm drinking coffee in the morning is I'll just like try and flesh out that idea. That spark. Similar to you, I don't want to take more than five or 10 minutes to like get that first draft written. But then I do spend probably about the same amount of time making sure that the word choice is, is good and it flows and it has a good kind of sound to it. I, I often will read my posts out loud to see like, does it have a good cadence and, and how it reads? So I may be a little bit too far in the weeds <laughs> on this kind of thing, but that's my process. I love it. It's worked for you, which is good. I mean, and what works for you may not work for someone else, but I think it's important for the people that are listening is to just try these different things and whatever works for you, you, you stick with that. Yep. Yeah. So you post daily. And so personalization is a big thing that you talk about too. And you always give a lot of your team big props for this. And I can tell you, you know, firsthand that the Cleary like team does world-class personalization. And so you yourself I know you've mentioned this before where you put a lot of kind of like tidbits in your profile to try to hope if people are reaching out to you, they can basically personalize it to what you put out there, but people don't. And so what do you read? Like, how does a marketer get your attention and what jumps out to you from the LinkedIn feed? Yeah, that's a really good question, Nick. So how a marketer gets my attention is by having a real perspective on one of two things or both in a best case scenario, either the pains and challenges that I'm facing day to day and how their solution or product or service or whatever can solve those pains and challenges or what our company is trying to accomplish from a strategic sort of standpoint and how their product or service or whatever can help us in service of that strategic initiative. And so there are a couple different ways to do this type of outreach and everybody will say, well, how do you do this at scale? And first and foremost, some things you can do at scale and some things you can't. And because you can't do it at scale does not mean that you shouldn't do it. It just means that fewer people are doing it. So if you do it well, you'll have a better chance of success. I know we both are responsible for account-based programs. And I love that because if you go the extra mile, you do the extra effort, you will break through the noise. So there are certain amounts or certain types of things that you can't scale and get over it. You have to do it. It's worth it. But some things you can scale. So if you understand my persona, you understand my purview, then you can say the same thing to other folks who have a similar or the same purview to me. And that's the pains and gains sort of approach to this. What pains am I experiencing? What gains will I realize by using your product? And then similarly, what is our company trying to do? You know, we're not the only 300 person company out there who received funding recently and is doubling our sales team. Like that type of messaging will apply to 80% <laughs> half of the companies in Silicon Valley. Like take that. It, it seems really specific when you're thinking about, well, only Clary falls in this bucket. It's like, no, take a minute to try and generalize it beyond just Clary and think more broadly about what does this mean? Why did they raise money? What are they going to do? And don't just reach out and say, hey, you just raised $60 million. Want to buy my product? <laughs> That's not good enough. It's, hey, I saw you just raised money. And in the press release, your CEO said that you're trying to double the sales team over the next 12 months. How are you going to onboard all of them, especially in a virtual environment? 
That type of messaging is really what works and it does scale and you'll surprise yourself in how of these, they call marketing marketers will call it a one to few type program. So one message for a handful or more of accounts. It's not something you could send to everybody, but it's something you can send to a subset of the companies that fall into the same parameters as one you researched. So think about that and build out those segments. And those types of things are what will get my attention. The things I personally care about or the things that my company cares about. And that's what always catches my eye. Nice. That's really helpful. I think it's funny because, I mean, you probably get way more outreach than I do. But I think in the last couple of months, I've probably had probably about 75 between email, LinkedIn, phone calls, like 75 people reaching out to me out of those 75, one person personalized their outreach to me. And funny enough, that one person that personalized their outreach, one week later, I signed a $30,000 contract with them. And I just, I I always go back to that point that personalization is so key, but like so many people just want to do the copy and paste. And you can see that from a mile away. 100%. I actually just wrote about this today because it just drives me crazy. Like people will send a lot of cold emailers and a lot of marketers. For those of you listening, you're just as guilty of this. You'll go to your company's about us page and you'll say, oh, this is brilliant copy. Our marketing team, agency, whatever poured over these words. They must be good. I'm just going to take them and I'm going to put them in my cold emails. Don't do that. That sucks. Nobody wants to read about you in a cold email. If they don't know who you are, why are they going to read it? Think about you and the emails that you receive. Do you ever really pay that much attention when somebody's like, we do this, 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 and this, and then bullet point list of things. You're like, I don't care. You need to take those beautiful words that are on your company's site and you need to apply them to the recipient. So again, if you can take what you know matters to that person, the challenges they're facing, the strategies they're pursuing, and you can reorient your messaging through that lens and you can cut out the marketing buzzwords. Like if you ever think about including the words 360 degree in a cold email, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to rip your keyboard out of your hands and I'm going to delete it for you. Don't write that. It's just, it's nonsense. So speak like a human, not like a marketer, and you're going to get much more human responses. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And this actually kind of goes into my next question. Question: I actually, I wrote about this, I think a day or two ago. And so like DMs and pitches are getting worse on, on <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn. And so automation is killing some of the engagement. What could LinkedIn do to change the platform from your viewpoint for the better? For me, the inbox system is one of the first things that needs to get fixed. But what are your thoughts on that? The inbox experience on LinkedIn is There's a special place in hell reserved for the person who manages the PM who manages the inbox on LinkedIn. It's terrible. And that would be a huge thing. Like if you could filter messages out, if you could set reminders for, you know, when you want something to bump back to the top, whatever, like if you could actually manage the flow, it would make a pretty big difference. And there's a whole litany of things. Like we could talk endlessly about what automation is doing and it's terrible. And I saw your post. I totally agree with it. (laughs) But... There's one thing that all the listeners on this call can do, which will help respond to the people who are reaching out to you. Tell them yes or tell them no and give them a quick rationale as to why. Part of the reason why there's so much automation and there's so much follow-up is because there's so much ignoring that happens. And I started doing this recently where I pledge to respond to every cold email that hits my inbox. I can't do the same on LinkedIn as previously discussed. But everybody who comes to my inbox, I'm responding to them. And so I publicized that I was doing this and I got a lot of emails in the first couple of weeks. But I've been saying no to most and yes to some. And now this week, I've gotten fewer emails than I've ever gotten because I've said yes or no to everybody. 
And people know where I stand. People know what my initiatives are and they know when to circle back. So if, if everybody that is the target of these messages just started responding, maybe not to everyone, but responding to a handful, you'll start to see the volume go down and down. And maybe that'll mean that we need less automation. And maybe that'll mean that people understand that personalization matters. And so I don't know, that's, I'm hopeful <laughs> that that could be a trend that we see. I want to encourage everybody to respond to the people that are reaching out to them, give them some feedback and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And so for the marketer who's never posted a single thing on LinkedIn, like what would you suggest they post about for the first time? Yeah, something that, as we talked about before, something they have experience in or expertise in. And I would probably recommend you start at the tactical level and think about a program that you just ran or that you were involved in or that your team did. And again, tease out the things that made that successful and then write about it. People like to read about things that went well and things that didn't (laughs) and what you learned from them. So if you can distill, again, those learnings into something that's digestible for the community to consume, that will be a really good use of your time and useful to the community. Because if nothing else, say you're disappointed with the engagement, which you shouldn't be, and we'll touch on that in a second, at least you've done enough to do that postmortem on what your team has done. You can share the learnings internally and your team will benefit from it. Now, on the point on engagement, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you get hundreds of likes or dozens, like who cares If you are helping a single person, if you're having a solid interaction with a single person, if you're learning something, that is your success criteria. It's so easy to get seduced by those vanity metrics of likes and comments and engagement and views and all that stuff. And yeah, it's cool when uh, something that you write gets has mass appeal and, and goes viral or whatever. But it doesn't ultimately matter. It's not the reason that any of us are doing this. The reason that the right, I mean, the best people, the reason the best people are doing this is to help other people. And so if that is your success criteria and you say, I helped one person today, that will be a much more inspirational way for you to continue uh, putting your thoughts out there. I wish I could frame that for people because that's something that I've lived by. It's like, it took me a I think it was about five solid months of, of posting almost daily before I any before I saw like real engagement and what real engagement even looks like. Who knows? I mean, it varies person to person, but like before people were consistently commenting on my stuff, saying that I've added value, and then the amount of field marketers that have messaged me personally saying. Like you've helped me. Like for me, no one talks about field marketing on LinkedIn. Like I haven't come across anyone else doing it. And I've created a very like niche kind of like community for myself. And it's been great. And like my job is to help one person a day. And whether that's a VP or whether that's someone that's fresh out of college, like if I can help one person a day, then I feel like I've made the world a better place. Great perspective. Yeah. Awesome. So I think we're coming up on time. So I want to just close with a few more questions for you. So, you know, what's your favorite resource? It could be online, offline, you rely on basically to keep up to speed and keep your brand fresh and your mind fresh and everything like that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in unplugging. (laughs) So the resource I'll recommend to everybody is really carving out time to do something away from your screen, whatever that is. I find a lot of value in reading books that are not necessarily about sales or marketing, but maybe are about, you know, like human psychology or something like that. That's just a little bit different than trying to understand the way that people think. And what's really important is to do this in a way that's uninterrupted. So I'll put away the phone, put away the screen, put, you know, put everything away and I'll try and just like be focused for half an hour. 
10 minutes, whatever it is. And I find that really refreshing. So I can't emphasize enough, especially as we're all, you know, working from home and, and the virtual stuff. And there's, you know, so much Zoom fatigue and all that. You have to find ways and you have to be intentional to find ways to get away from your screen. And that's how I think you can stay fresh and energized. And if you're doing that as you're trying to learn something new, or relearn something that you feel like, you know, revisiting books is a super valuable exercise that I do pretty regularly. If you can do something like that, and that energizes you, more power to you. Love it. Love it. So do you have any final parting words for anyone who wants to start creating their own personal brand and content out there? Just do it. Just do it. There's no downside. You'll be surprised. And and I think probably one of my favorite things about LinkedIn, certainly versus social media outlets like Twitter, for example, is LinkedIn, the community is very positive. Like there's no anonymity. People's faces, jobs, companies like are all represented there. So people are nicer and you'll be surprised at how well received. I think anyway, you'll be surprised at how well received your content is. People genuinely appreciate thoughtful content. So if you're thoughtful in what you write, if you're coming from a place of experience or expertise, then it'll be well-received. You'll enjoy it. They'll enjoy it. You'll get something out of it. Your company will benefit. You'll benefit. There's really no downside. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I just wish more people would do it. I feel like LinkedIn's such a sales-heavy platform. More marketers really need to get out there, but we'll get there at some point. So Kyle, thank you. Where can people go to learn more about you, Clary? Anything else you want to plug here? Feel free. <laughs> yeah. So as I mentioned, LinkedIn is the only social channel I'm active on. So you can find me and just search for Kyle Coleman. I think you'll track me down. And then clary.com, C-L-A-R-I.com. If you're interested in the wide world of revenue operations, if you're especially a lot of marketers listening to this, if you want a better understanding of your top of funnel production and how you're involved in the revenue process, then Clary will be very beneficial to you. So check it out. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you again. I appreciate you spending some time with us today. It was great having you on Rep Your Brain. Thanks so much, Nick. Been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.